Welcome to Grant Seeker Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're discussing the sustainability question. Our presenter today is Margaret Poirier, who is the founder and CEO of Grants for Good. Margaret has worked in the nonprofit sector for over 20 years. She holds a GPC certification and is a published national journal author and frequent speaker on all aspects of grant writing. So the first portion of this episode, we're going to hear Margaret's tips and tools on what to do after grant funding runs out, and then we end with a quick Q&A. And just know that all the resources that Margaret mentions in this episode can all be found and downloaded in the episode notes. Without further ado, here's Margaret. So what to do after the grant funding ends? Often we are so entrenched in trying to meet grant deadlines that we forget to think about what do we do when that grant funding runs out. I first presented a topic, uh, a presentation on the sustainability question back about five years ago at an association of fundraising professionals conference and also at the Grant Professionals Association annual conference. It was standing room only, which tells me this is a hot topic. <laughs> this is something we're all struggling with. So today's, uh, today we're going to focus on three key outcomes today. So first of all, at the end of this hour, I want you to have a better understanding of the meaning and the types of sustainability questions that you're going to encounter in your grant applications. And they really do vary. Secondly, I want to focus on what are funders really asking when they ask this so-called sustainability question. What do they really want to know? And how do we deconstruct and reconstruct what they're trying to find out? And I'll show some live examples of that. And lastly, I want to leave you with some specific tips for answering this question in your next grant application. It's my goal to leave you with some very specific examples and ways that you can look at sustainability different and ways that you can write about it differently in your grant applications. And those are kind of two different things because, yes, you're going to write about sustainability, but so many of the clients I work with in my company, Grants for Good, they don't really know what it means and they don't really think about sustaining their programs. Why? because they need to get funding in the door right now. They've got pressure from their board members, pressure from their um, executive directors, and they just need to get the grant. So I'm hoping this presentation leaves you with some very specific tools you can use and also save you some time in your next grant application. So we've all seen the question, right? The sustainability question, how will you continue the program after the grant funds end? Or something like that. Well, the easy answer and the one I used a lot back in my early days of grant writing is, well, we'll just write more grants. <laughs> but the one I like best is uh, blogger Vu Lei. His answer is, we will leave you alone and bother other people. <laughs> I think that's excellent because that's essentially what we're saying we're going to do. We'll write more grants to other funders. Well, obviously, neither one of these two answers is really going to satisfy the funders for our work. And by the way, if, if you've ever heard Vu Lei talk, he's wonderful. He was at last November's Grant Professionals Association Conference in Washington, D.C. But you can also subscribe to his blog called Nonprofit AF. And 
the article on answering the sustainability question is really, really funny. So after this talk, where we'll be a lot more serious and answering the question, you've got to check out his blog so you can get a good laugh. Okay, so we know it's a challenging question, right? Or we wouldn't even be here. The sustainability question is definitely a stumbling block, both for newbie grant professionals and for people who have been in the field 20 plus years, like yours truly. We're still figuring out what do we need to answer and how. So I mean, that's why I like to teach this and give some very specific examples. Well, who asks this sustainability question? My guess is you're all thinking, well, just about everybody. Um, when you write foundation grants, when you write corporate grants, when you write state grants, federal grants, in some way, shape, or form, they all ask this question. So let's take a step back for a sec and say, well, okay, what does sustainability really mean? Well, just like all grant professionals, I didn't grow up saying, I want to be a grant professional when I grow up. Instead, I went and um, majored in, uh, I was pre-med, then I went out and got a master's in science, and I know all about sustainability because my master's was in natural resource management, and that's what some of my grant writing focuses on. But sustainability in that is a little bit different from what we're talking about. What we're saying here is sustainability defined is stable or able to be maintained at a certain rate or level. So given that definition, are grants really sustainable? I think we know the answer is no. Most of the grants we apply for ask for a 12-month project budget, and those grants have to be spent in those 12 months. If we're lucky, some of them have three-year cycles, five-year cycles. Um, I recently wrote one for five years, which is wonderful. We don't have to go back to that funder again for another five years. But for the most part, they just aren't sustainable. And that's why we find ourselves scrambling, even after we get a grant, to think about which grant application we need to send out next so that we have a constant pipeline of grant applications out there and getting funding in the door on a consistent basis. So they're not sustainable. But what we're looking to do really is provide sustainability in the community. So when you think about the important work you're doing right now, if it's meant to continue, which many projects are, think about the long-term value that that is providing for your community. I bet it's enormous. And it, it goes so, we all know, it goes so much beyond your own organization. Yeah, it's great to sustain your organization, right? You need to have staff, you need to be able to pay them, or you can't do any work. But true sustainability, I think, is really about the program and the impact on your community. What you're doing for teenage mothers, what you're doing for protecting water quality in the Great Lakes, what you're doing for animals that need adoption at a shelter, et cetera, et cetera. So long-term value for your community. Well, let's get back down to the details here. What are some examples of the types of sustainability questions you're going to encounter in grant applications? Well, here's the most basic one. What is the future of this program or project beyond the grant period? Summarize what is envisioned. If it is to continue beyond the grant period, how will you support the project? <clears throat> here's another one. This one comes from Philanthropy Northwest Common Application Form. What are your other potential and actual sources of support for this proposal? And then here comes the kicker. Where do you expect to find future support? <laughs> so again, it's, it's very specific about where will the support come from to continue your program. 
And the third definition comes from the association, or question rather, the Association of Baltimore Area Grantmakers. It goes like this. Explain how this proposal relates to the organization's mission, goals, and or strategic plan and other activities planned for this year. Now, why on earth is that a sustainability question? Well, it's in there because funders know, and we know this too, if our project or program is not an integral part of the strategic plan, or if it does not align with our organization's mission and our goals, then we're really pretty much off track, aren't we? And if we're off track or we've got mission creep, as the phrase is, uh, goes, then we're set up for failure. Usually projects that are made up to meet a, funding, a funder's goal aren't very successful in the long term. There's exceptions, of course. But this is why this is a sustainability question. And this is already a hint. <laughs> Keep in mind here, here's a hint of how you can start to answer this. Think about how your project aligns with your strategic plan, your organization's mission, and your goals. We'll get into more of that. I realize some people joining this call might say, well, wait a minute, you know, this is a great topic, but I haven't written a whole lot of grants in my career. I'm just starting out. So here are some of the basic elements of a grant proposal. And for you grant writing veterans out there, you are very familiar with these. And I would invite you to think about which one of these elements of a grant proposal, where could we incorporate talk about sustainability of our program? So we've got, let's see, the first thing, needs or problem statement. That is in every grant application. There's history and accomplishments. Well, now there's a chance to talk about sustainability a bit, right? If you have a history, you have a, a five or 10 year longstanding program, and you're asking for funding today, you've already got a history that this program has lasted. And so there's part of your answer to sustainability. Many grant applications ask about current programs, activities. They want to know about your, your target population, very detailed demographics. They want to know about partnerships. That's a big opportunity for sustainability. I'll get more into that as we go on. Also, program design, same thing, think sustainability. Goals and outcomes, management plan, evaluation plan, budget and budget narrative. These are all common elements of most grant proposals that you'll run into. So that's, that's kind of my quick and dirty overview because we really want to dive into this topic. So sustainability. One of the first things I recommend you do is look at your RFP, request for proposals or guidelines, and carefully dissect where does the sustainability question show up? Because this question can be hidden in the subtext or it might appear in several areas throughout the application, throughout the RFP. Which means there could be many questions that, in quotes, are considered sustainability questions, all in one application. And as you deconstruct the question, I would also, just, I would also ask you to think about what are they asking you to sustain? Are they looking for your program outcomes, the impact on your community, in other words? Are they looking for you to sustain your program itself and or sustain your organization? Because if you're applying for something like a capacity building grant, then sustainability for your organization needs to be talked about because that in turn, as we all know, affects 
the ability for you to deliver your programs and affect your community. It's a pretty logical sequence. So I'm going to present a little bit of research. There's not a whole lot of information published about sustainability in nonprofits or in grants specifically. But I did find a couple of resources that I think are going to be really helpful. So most of you know the Annie E. Casey Foundation. They've, they've just done some amazing publications and research. And this one's no exception. It's called Endgames, The Challenge of Sustainability. And I'm going to just take a few highlights from that 30-page document that I also downloaded. And it's essentially saying that ensuring that change is sustainable means that the values, ideas, and processes of the effort are widely shared and deeply felt. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I think it basically means everybody agrees. This is really important. We got to keep this thing going. Secondly, important relationships are nurtured and remain strong. Well, that gets right down to partnerships. Who's in this with you? Who's going to help you? Because we know very few things are sustained when we try to work alone. Third, policy and practice innovations are institutionalized and become the norm. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Fourth, needed financial and human resources are secured for the long term. Well, that one's pretty obvious. Yes, we need money to sustain those programs. So we're going to talk about each of those a little bit more. And I'm going to jump to the end of that 30-page document towards the end of it. When you download this, you'll see a lot more detail on these uh, suggestions that come out of Annie E. Casey's document. The things they, here's some takeaways from it. They say take sustainability more seriously and start earlier. And I love that because when I work with my clients, one of the first, the first thing we really do is we look at their logic model, logic chart, project plan, anything that tells me what are their goals, what are their long and short-term outcomes, and how in the world will they get there? What are their activities? What do they need to do to get there? So when we do our project planning, we talk about long-term sustainability right at the beginning. And that's something that I see a lot of organizations are not doing. And possibly they're not doing it for the reasons I mentioned at the very beginning of this call is that, gosh, they're so inundated with work already and they have to get the grant out the door fast for the deadline that there isn't always the time to get the right people around the table to say, okay, well, what will we do after 12 months, after two years? So that early project planning, and this gets into the third tip in this document, plan for longer. So start earlier, plan longer. The fourth tip, be more explicit about foundation and grantee commitments. Um, I'm not exactly sure why Annie Casey put this in the document, but my guess is they want to see a lot more detail about what other foundations are committing money to your project, how long are they in it for, I know that's sometimes kind of a guessing game, but once in a while we meet someone from a foundation that says, you know, we want to support you for three years because we really want to see our dollars do some great work in the community. So you'll want to be more explicit about the types of commitments you have already. Uh, fifth tip is to set clear and realistic expectations. In other words, I, I have seen answers to the effect of, well, we're going to hire a development director and they're going to do all of our fundraising. Now, while that does help build organizational capacity, I wouldn't argue that. 
it's not necessarily going to help you sustain your impact in the community. So you want to be realistic about what can and can't be done. And I've got to tell you a, a quick story. I recently moderated a, um, a workshop, a panel called Meet the Funders. And I'm sure you've been to these in your own communities. You'll you know, imagine three or four foundation representatives from your community and hundreds of very thirsty grant professionals wanting to know, how do we apply? How do we apply? So at this panel, the topic of sustainability came up. And one of the funders from the, really the biggest foundation said, quite, quite bluntly, he said, we know your program isn't sustainable or you wouldn't be asking us for money. <laughs> so I guess he kind of gets it. Um, but at the same time, he was focused on just the money aspect and sustainability is more than that. Stay tuned. We'll talk about that. So the sixth tip here is building capacity of your organization. Well, that does include things like having a development director, um, contracting with grant professionals, with event planners, marketing folks, uh, things like that. And the seventh tip is to actively pursue the resources needed to ensure sustainability. Now, that's in there because it's saying when you start your project plan and your grant application, you're thinking about sustainability, but think about it all the time. So a month into your program, at your midterm report to your funder, constantly question what else could we be doing that's going to strengthen our program to keep it going in the long run. And I'll tell you, the reason I think this topic is so important is, is I think about, and I used to work for a nonprofit too, and I think about the nonprofits I work with, and boy, they work hard for not nearly as much pay as I think they should be getting, and they're delivering huge impact on the community, huge positive change in the community. So there's clearly a belief in sustaining their work. And so the reason I like the topic is, yeah, we have to know how to answer this and satisfy the funders, but we also have to know how to answer it to ourselves to really say, okay, what we're doing is important, it matters, and it does need to go on. So I know I've thrown a lot at you. I'm going to start to kind of summarize and, and give some really uh, concrete examples, and we're going to have time at the end for some questions and discussion. Let's redefine then what is sustainability. Whereas before, we might have thought, oh, it's all about how are we going to get the money to keep the program going? Now let's look at it from a couple different angles, given what we just heard. Well, yeah, there's, there's financial sustainability. And that's what everyone thinks of first is, <clears throat> where will the money come from? Secondly, there's program sustainability. Well, yeah, programs need money to survive because we know people deliver programs and they have to be paid. But there's also other things that help programs be sustained organizations, are we looking at sustainability of an organization? And lastly, outcomes, which I would say all sustainability has to focus on outcomes. And it may also have to focus on those other steps here in the ladder, organizations, programs, and financial. So if we look at that first step, the financial aspect, we, we just can't get around that. We have to have money to sustain our programs to run them. So here's a couple of opportunities where you would uh, receive revenue for your work, grants and contracts. So at the beginning, I said, well, we'll just write more grants. That's the answer to the sustainability question. Well, it's not a bad 
answer if it's part of a larger answer. And everybody knows that you are going to be bugging other people for grants. Um, you might also have contracts with your state or federal departments. You'll also have donations that'll include things like your annual appeals, individual donors, um, those wonderful people who um, maybe put you in a, in a bequest. So all of those other donations add up. It includes your fundraising events, which can yield sometimes really wonderful donations on the spot um, or even down the road. Other sources of revenue can include fees for services. I've worked with clients who uh, really never did fees for services until they realized that, wow, we're providing this incredible workshop to our local universities on, um, on, on sexual harassment in the college workplace, and we've never charged for it. And lo and behold, they did, and those colleges and universities were glad to pay. So they developed a fee-for-service where they didn't have one before. So something to think about. Investment income. Well, this one's tough because not everybody has an endowment. Um, I would say about half of my clients have endowments and half do not. So that means they're not all receiving investment income. But it is one option and one way to answer that sustainability question if you have it. So now I'm going to share with you a second resource. And I think you're going to want to download this. I, I keep this one at my desk at all times on my desktop. It's, again, I think it's around a 30 or 40 page PDF document. And this one is called Sustaining Improved Outcomes, a toolkit by Scott Thomas, Deborah Zahn. It's dated March, uh, it's dated 2010. It is in no way outdated, however. I've been using it all the time. And it talks a lot about improved outcomes versus um, your program, your service, your organization. So uh, if I sound like a broken record, I'm talking again about outcomes, sustaining outcomes. One of the factors is staffing. So by having staff, it reads like this, staff have the skills, confidence, and interest in continuing new ways of working and improved outcomes. So what that really means is that staff are are an essential part of being able to sustain a program. But not just them being there, but them knowing new ways of doing things. So for example, staff utilizing a new curriculum that's more effective at achieving certain outcomes, X, Y, and Z. Or staff using a train-the-trainer model to address high turnover rates at an organization. And this in turn then helps ensure program fidelity over time so that it is sustained. I can give you an example. I worked with a client at a local hospital where certified CNAs, certified nurse assistants, are unfortunately not paid very much and there's a high turnover rate. So in addition to increasing the pay of these nursing assistants, they also gave them more professional development and some of them were tasked with training the new people coming in. So it's a train-the-trainer approach. So it actually helped save some money in the long run by sort of mentoring or modeling and training the new CNAs. And it also helps retain some of the existing workforce, even at a pay that still is, is 
fairly low compared to um, compared to their uh, their workloads. So a second example is uh, what the document terms shared models. Continued use of a shared model among those involved in the new ways of working. So I'll give you another example. If anyone here is on the call from Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, I work with um, with one of the chapters of Big Brothers Big Sisters, and they use a standard model of mentoring that is very specific, one-to-one -one mentoring. They screen the mentors very carefully because they're working with young children. There's a whole list, a long list of parameters that are part of that model. And that is a shared model among all the affiliate Big Brothers Big Sisters of America groups. That kind of shared model, there might be something like that that you have in your organization that is very standardized that you can share, and therefore it leads to greater sustainability. Big Brothers, Big Sisters, uh, they've been around since 1904, so I would say they're, they've sustained their organization fairly well. And that kind of fidelity and, and model is one of those factors that you can talk about. The third one is partners. And remember I said we would talk more about partners. So this one reads, the involvement of partners who actively support new ways of working and improved outcomes. I'll give you an example. Again, I worked with a medical, two medical facilities, two hospitals that were, uh, that decided to, sh to cut cost and share some pretty expensive diagnostic equipment and services. So it wasn't a merger by any means, but it was a sharing. And so that's a partnership where both are saving in cost and by continuing to share equipment, next time they need to purchase more equipment or new equipment or enhance their services, they have a greater chance of sustainability by working together and sharing that cost. Because if any one hospital had to do it, it would be a mammoth fundraising effort. So that's an example of a case that you can make if you have partners where you're sharing costs, equipment, services, staff, anything that you, that you can show is actually going to be saving you some money. A second example, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, that details the commitment of project partners to continue a specific process. When I answer a question about sustainability, if there's an MOU between the partners and I have the opportunity to upload it to my grant application, I will do so. Often we don't have that opportunity. So at the very least, you can mention it. You can say that this MOU exists and it very specifically says what the partners each do in a program. And depending on what that is for your organization, I'm willing to bet that some of those tasks help make a strong case for program sustainability, why it will continue beyond the 12 months. And the last of these four of the 12 sustainability factors that I'm going to share on this call is, is called spread, which means expansion of new ways of working and improved outcomes to additional locations. So I, I think you might be familiar with this if you've been doing this for a while. You might find that there's a specific technique or, or way of working that you do that can benefit others. So for example, expanding a specific technique to match mentors and youth. Again, I'm thinking big brothers, big sisters here. Um, 
you might have a specific technique or purpose to it that you can use from one city to multiple cities that might have a similar challenge or demographic. Maybe you have a program that's focused entirely on um, youth receiving job shadowing experience. And you might be able to use that type of technique and spread that to additional locations. Now you're sustaining a program, helping sustain a program beyond your immediate location. So geographic, that's another way of thinking about sustainability. I know this is a lot of information, but I, I figure let's get all this out here because some of it's going to apply to you at different times in your, in your nonprofit careers, as I've seen with, with my own clients. So to kind of um, to bring all this together, with sustainability, it's so important to, first of all, carefully look at the RFP and the guidelines and deconstruct the question, what exactly are funders looking for? Second step, it's so important to think about and think very creatively about how you can start to address sustainability and use those two tools I'm sharing with you, the Annie E. Casey document and the Sustaining Improved Outcomes document. Because that's going to help you answer what are they trying, what are we trying to sustain? Finance, programs, organizations, outcomes, and how are we going to show that we're sustaining? Again, things like partnership, finance, shared models, staff, any other ideas. So, so that's really kind of a quick summary of it. I do want to say another thing, though, about sustainability. We often assume that everything that's good needs to continue on. <laughs> so just because it worked great for one year or it's been working great for the last five or ten years, does it need to continue? So, for example, it might benefit you more to give or sell a program to another nonprofit or business. And by sell, I mean you can license a certain model or way of working, or you can license a handbook that details an operating procedure that's extremely useful, operations procedure. So you can give or sell your program to other nonprofits or businesses. You don't have to continue running it yourself. You can merge your program with another program or agency. I've seen this done too, where they just say, you know what? We have this great program to take in women's clothing for, uh, for work, for the workplace and provide sort of a, um, a secondhand shop where women can access professional work clothes. But we don't have the storage space anymore. And yet another organization did. So they merged. You can merge your organization with another entity. I've seen this happen. And it happens all, all the time where two nonprofits just say, look, we can't do it anymore on this shoestring budget. If we put ourselves together, we, we merge our mission, our staff, um, we can go further with this. So merging, that is an option. Or last of all, ending the program. So many times um, you might achieve your goal and then you can go hands off and it works on its own. I, I worked with a collaborative for years on a very specific project, an environmental project. And we had 20 people that compiled this collaborative. And after a while, it was kind of doing pretty well on its own. People knew each other. They were starting to work together. And what ended up happening is it went from really a full-time organization to more of a part-time because there were very specific projects now that were being done collaboratively. So that goal was met. Well, that's just one example. But I want to put this question out here because, again, you know, you can be honest with yourself and say, does the program have to continue? And funders are probably going to wonder about that as well.
So what can you do now? Let's look at some more tangible things. What can you do now? Well, you can look closely at your current projects to address sustainability. So maybe you've already got two, three, four, five programs that have been receiving grant funding or that you're about to apply for grant funding for. You can look at those now with a different eye, hopefully. Secondly, you can involve your staff and any partners. Talk to them about what you've learned. Talk to them about sustainability so that you're not the only one with all this knowledge in your head because it really does take a group or a few people to, to put together some, some good plans for sustaining your work. You can also consider those 12 factors. That's the one that was in the Sustaining Improved Outcomes document when writing your next grant application. And there's, you know, having done this for, well, let's see, my first grant application was in the early 1990s. So I'm not going to add up the years. I've been writing these a while, <laughs> but sustainability has been such a big thing in the last 10, 20 years. So I found that there's some fairly critical mistakes that I see happening, which I will also share with you. And we have a little bit of more time. I'm going to share one other thing with you. And that is an additional training opportunity. If you're finding that this topic interests you, but you want to know more about a lot of other topics that have to do with grant writing, my mission for this year is to empower nonprofits, to empower you to succeed and sustain your work. And one of the ways I'm doing that is I'm creating an online course called All About Grant Writing. It's the complete proven step-by-step -step system to find and get the grant funding you need. <laughs> what it really is, is I'm taking 20-some years of my experience and sharing in a very specific step-by-step -step process how to get going in grant writing, starting with how do you find the best funders for your work, to how do you develop a need statement. We talk about budgets because budgets are such a sticking point. And of course, we talk about sustainability and a number of other things. So if you're interested, keep an eye out for this. It'll be an online course. There'll be eight modules, and it's kind of like a Netflix binge where you're going to be able to download them all at once, and then you can go at your own pace. So uh, let's start to wrap things up so we have time for questions. So some of the critical mistakes that I've seen nonprofits, organizations make is, first of all, they might take some shortcuts in the project planning and they don't consider the long-term outlook. And why does someone take shortcuts? Why do they just try to pile in a whole bunch of narrative into a grant application real quick? Or why do they not call other partners to join in? Well, it's quite simple. There's just not enough time sometimes. You've been in the situation where you find out about a great grant deadline, and the deadline is next week. Or if it's a federal grant, maybe it's in four weeks, which is not a lot of time. So that's why shortcuts are taken. How to avoid that? You can start your project planning. You can, you can relook at all your programs. And right now, make sure that sustainability is taken into account. You can do that now in advance so that when that deadline comes flying your way, it won't catch you by surprise. A second mistake I've seen is sometimes people get, uh, organizations might get too attached to only one way of doing something. And, and that's why I provided for you these these two documents and these slides is maybe there's some other ways to look at sustainability and that that might, that might be of use to you in the, in the long run. And the last thing I've seen is relying entirely on grants for funding 
is truly a critical mistake. Now, having said that, I have worked with an organization or two, especially the really smaller grassroots organizations where we have been able to get them a lot of grant funding and that's been almost their sole source of support. But that is the exception to the rule. Most of the nonprofits that I know of and that I work with round out their revenue by a number of other things, like what I'd mentioned earlier, the fees for services, contracts, investment income, individual donations, things that are not strictly those 12-month grants. So I hope that's helpful for you. Um, I'm going to wrap up so we have lots of time for questions, but I want to thank you for being here today. You've just spent an hour of your time, or you're about to spend an hour of your time, um, looking at a topic that is, is really pretty multifaceted. So thank you for, for being here. Oftentimes people leave these calls and they say, oh my gosh, I thought of a question and I just didn't get to it. Or maybe you're one of the folks who's listening to this on a recording later because there was no way you could be here at this date and time. If you think of a question like that, feel free to email me and I will get back to you. All righty. Great. And we do have a few questions. To, to talk through here at the end. So um, first of all, I'll dive into those. Uh, how do I interpret this sentence? So it's a real specific sentence related mm-hmm. to sustainability. Describe your agency's major goals and objectives and programs by which you could accomplish same. I'm getting stuck on the by which you could accomplish same. Is this a sustainability question? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> I have never seen yeah. one, one written quite like that before. Describe your agency's major goals and objectives by which you can accomplish same. I don't know what that means. I really don't. And I would hate to read into it because I don't know. I w- Here's what I would do, though. If I ran into this, if there's a contact person, you can call a program officer at that uh, foundation. I would do so and ask them if they could clarify that. It's First of all, it's a great excuse to talk to somebody there at the, at the foundation. Yeah. And secondly, it is yeah. a chance to maybe briefly say what your goals and objectives are for your program. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I can't, I, I can't not interpret that any better than yeah. that, but that's a tough one. <laughs> Thanks for asking it. I was it. too, myself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Here's another one. Um, what suggestions do you have for addressing sustainability experience? in the program logic model? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I love logic models. I, you know, not many people do. They think I'm crazy. <laughs> I love them. I start with logic <laughs> models, right? They're the perfect planning tool. Mm-hmm. So with logic models, I, I don't know about you, but the very first column I complete is not activities or inputs or it's always outcomes. So To address sustainability, start addressing your outcomes first in the logic model. And when you do that, you can start to think about how you're going to sustain those outcomes. So in the logic model, there might be a chance where you talk about your SMART objectives, and perhaps sustainability could be related to that. So for example, I'm flying off the cuff here, let's say say, uh, um, over 80% of women coming out of incarceration remain employed after one year of the program. Okay, there's, there's an, 
there's a quick, smart objective. It's probably not as smart as it should be. So part of your sustainability plan could be that you have that over 80% figure lasting into five years as you bring on new partners like new businesses that, that will help train and retain the women coming out of incarceration. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm making this up off the cuff, but I think you get the message where possibly smart objectives can really be part of that sustainability plan and partners again, like what businesses might help that kind of a program. Thanks for asking. That's, that's a good one. Logic yeah. models are fantastic for a lot of things. Yeah, we covered that just a few months ago, too. I love oh, good. You know, the logic models given <laughs> Excellent. in there. Um, but if you guys, you know, I encourage you to follow up with Margaret on her training, et cetera, if that's something you want to dig more into. And here is another question. Um, what about online applications that limit responses to sustainability to 2,000 or 4,000 characters? <clears throat> That's really basically one or two paragraphs. How do we best answer in such a limited format? Do you have strategies for that? Oh, that is the million dollar question. And it's really a bane of a lot of grant professionals when we have those limits for character or word limits. Um, you know, how will you solve world peace in three sentences or less? So <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. But, um, you know, as we know, we have to be so concise in our writing. One way you might be able to get around a short character limit is if there's a chance to upload a sustainability plan, then you can develop a two, three, four, five page document that outlines your plan. So that's one answer. But if you really have to be that concise, you know, I would just say bullet points, say what you're going to do. Um, you can refer to partners and you can say, see attached letter of support and have a letter of support from that partner. So that, that would be one example is, is try to be concise, but see where you can kind of be sneaky and uploading things like memorandum of understandings, letters of support, um, incorporate into a logic model as per the, the person who asked that last question. So you have to be pretty creative with it. I think this, this is a good question. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And we all feel this. The question uh, from um, Kristen, do you have any resources we can share with our colleagues or supervisors who are frequently guilty of, in quotes, taking shortcuts or chasing the dollar? Um, how do we help build their understanding of grant sustainability, why it's best to avoid, avoid those big flashy funding opportunities? I love this question because I just feel like there's so much misunderstanding out there about the grant about grant seeking and what's involved. Um, not once, or, or more than once, rather, have I had someone to say to me, well, what about Oprah? She gives out grants. Or what about that guy who runs Virgin Airlines? You know, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of billionaires out there, but they're not necessarily giving out grants to our organizations. So I, I like what this question is getting at is how do you set realistic expectations among your colleagues, your supervisors, your board? And the answer is education. They have to be willing to really understand the grant seeking process. They can't think that it's just you going to somebody and saying, hey, we've got a great project and we're the only one doing this, so we deserve the funding. Um, and it's really education. Um, you know, if, if you want to download my seven-step guide, it does, it does get into 
um, what is necessary for being 100% ready to apply for grants. And that also goes for the question that came up I'm seeing about a small nonprofit that is um, relying heavily on grants, how they can go forward. So download those guides and see if those are helpful for you. But definitely setting expectations is such a big thing in, in the grant-seeking world. Great. And are there other questions that you see that would be great? Um, what's the best way to get board members to participate in some of these opportunities when you're a small nonprofit? Uh, also a good question and a similar answer. You want to get them excited and understanding what the grant seeking process really is. And boards are afraid of fundraising most of the time. I've been on many boards and the minute somebody says, well, we need to raise, you know, funding, everyone kind of sits back in their chair and says, oh, okay, well, I got to go now. I have to get to another meeting. <laughs> so really letting boards know that they don't have to make a direct financial ask, but they can help you with grant seeking. They might know somebody on the board of a foundation that you hope to approach and they can introduce you. They don't have to sell the person, but maybe they can help you make the connections with the foundations or corporations that you wish to partner with. And that's where I've seen boards be really successful in helping nonprofits. Good. So um, I do see a lot of really specific questions. So those are ones we, we won't tackle on a call, but I, I think we've covered some really good um, Good general questions here. I, I do too, I, and that's what I'm seeing now too. So thank you so much, Margaret, for joining us today. These are great tips and advice. Do you have anything to wrap up, Margaret? I wanted to give you a, a minute to do that. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody. A big shout out for you know spending your time with us here today. It's been fantastic. Um, if you do email me, be gentle. Give me a lot of time to get back to you because believe it or not, I am writing the sustainability question for several grants this week. <laughs> and those deadlines are coming up really hard and fast. So um, just uh, you know, keep in mind, I haven't forgotten you. It just might take me a little while to get back to you. But check out my website. Check out that seven step to grant success guide because there might be some really good stuff in there for you too. And thanks again. Have a great day, everyone. So that was our conversation. There were a lot of great questions and potentially some new ideas to try out. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundin Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk.